Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Welcome to My Millennial Property with John Pigeon and Emily Wallace. Today, we have an extremely special guest here. We're going to talk property developers. So anyone out there that's a budding property developer or is already doing something in the development space, it's very strategic investment um, and, and can give you some really great returns over and above the cookie cutter approach of real estate investing in single assets. So we're fortunate enough to have Peter Kelly from Little Fish Property Developments. Nice to be on, guys. Very happy to be here. I'm super excited because this is such a hot topic, particularly in the Facebook group of, I guess, those people who have started their investment journey and just want the next level. Because I feel like both you and I agree, John, that property development's probably not your entry-level investment, is it? It's probably more for the sophisticated investor going for the next level in property. Absolutely, it is. So, yeah, we're going to deep dive into that. We're going to get strategic. So, uh, hold on to your hat and let's do this. Let's do it. So, Peter, I would be really keen to understand how you got into this space. You know, first things first, how did you actually start your development company or assisting developers? Is this from your own experience? Yeah, yeah. Great question, Emily. Um, it's probably, uh, it's a few years ago now, but my journey sort of come through the construction industry, um, residential and, and commercial, myself and my business partner. Um and we've come through that space. I had a real love uh, and passion for property. So I decided to want to be a real estate agent. Yep. Bit of a midlife crisis maybe, I don't know. <laughs> but um, but yeah, property just, I've always loved it. So it was just something that I saw as, hey, let's, let's um, you know, let's go do this. I did that for 12 months um, and it was a ridiculously steep learning curve coming off the tools, um, you know, putting the suit on, like the the... The people I work with used to joke from from boots to suits is <laughs> is, uh, is what they sort of called me. But um, but got in there, um, yeah, dealing with property every day, um, the sales, the competitiveness of it, um, yeah. So you know, it was a real real steep learning curve, but learn learn a lot from the contractual side and um, dealing with developers that would buy through us um, and then selling their product at the end. So I got a real view of how you know how that end-to-end process sort of worked and and yeah it really sort of really interests me during that time in real estate we my business partner my now business partner and I and that's probably our first deal we we bought a development site it's a little development site out in west west footscray um you know still very sort of special to us um but it was uh just i guess listening to the people around me and that support group that was you know the directors i was working for and other sort of property speculators that that uh, you come into contact with and build a relationship with and they they said you know 
the, you know, this is one. You put two on it. They were two single stories. You know, it was pretty, pretty simple, like real sort of ABC type developing. And they, uh, at the time, they said, you know, little fish are sweet boots um and that's sort of where the where our ultimate name come come from and we sort of still try and stick to that today but it, it was which is a little development and they said you know um you know you do this you know you sort of do this and you sell them and you know you might make 50 you know you might make 100 type thing um so it was you know to do it with a business partner those gains you know were fairly modest but it was it was something that we we're, that we're able to do um, for the average Joe out there that's making you know X amount per year um, to supplement that with with those sort of you know I guess lump sums can you know it's it's it can mean a lot to can mean a lot to families and um, sort of you know your annual wage so so yeah so we went into it with that mindset we did it you know the market kicked a bit and and you know we did we did single story three bedroom dwellings and. Um, it was well received and they were well sold and um, we ended up doing you know much much better than what we thought but we always remember that I guess we were prepared to you know prepared to make that modest gain um, and we sort of put our put ourselves in the way of a bit of good fortune I guess yep. uh, but yeah you know the market kicked a bit and as we know when the markets kick you know it's 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 um yeah those margins can really sort of you know grow but yeah that was our first one that's what got us into it. Um, and it's sort of evolved, evolved from there. Awesome. So, Peter, there's there's so much that goes into um, feasibility studies and and developments to make sure that it's going to stick. And and the old saying is, if it's if we're not going to get twenty percent profit out of it, then don't bother and move on to the next one. And and I see so many developments that just don't stack up. We we throw them in the bin and and move on. And a lot of people come to us and say, well, yeah, I'm looking at doing this for the first time. What do you think? And, and when you actually run the numbers, um, it, it just doesn't stack, even though it looks really attractive from the outside. And until you run the exact numbers, you, uh, you, you don't really know. And we'll, we'll sink our teeth into that in a moment. But coincidentally, driving here this morning on radio, they were talking about the local council who had, uh, I think it was about 24 hectares of, of land that they owned. And they didn't have a profitable business. Um, for anyone that lives locally would understand that the council's not running too well. So they actually put it up for sale and um, because they didn't have the cash funds to do it themselves. And, and, and in small developments, that's so common, isn't it? Um, but, but long story short, the person who bought it from the council, um, it's right next to the M1 heading to Sydney. And what they didn't realise was... All the uh, all the connections, power, water, etc., had to go under the M1. Um, so it went from a twenty-five million dollar purchase to an eighty million dollar um, cost exercise to just to get it out of the ground. And and obviously that's on a larger scale. But just talk to us about the the things we need to consider when we're when we're looking at a development before we purchase. Yeah, that's um that's an interesting one there, John, and it's definitely a. Uh yeah, would have uh, would have pinched the developer there, um, and 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 yeah, like, like you said, that's a large scale. On a smaller scale, you know, that's just part of your early due diligence. You know, where are your services? Where's your stormwater going to go? Is there MBN in the street? 
uh, where's the power running, where's the sewer running and, um, you know, things like dial before you dig, things like walking into council, you know, these things, um, you know, they, you know, for people that haven't done it, you come in and you go, oh, so daunting, how do you figure it all out? Well, we live in a, an age where all the information's out there, you just got to know where to look but in saying that, sometimes, you know, you got to know what you're looking at as well so there's that, there's that, um, you know, there's that part of it but yeah, the dial before you digs, walking into council, just speaking to a planner, going, hey, I'm looking at buying this site. What do you think? You know, they'll get it up on their on their portals, on their near maps, that sort of thing. And, you know, if you go in there and, um, you know, with a bit of vulnerability and go in there and say, hey, you know, I'm thinking about doing this, it's amazing the information that people will will give up and look to look to help someone who's, um, you know, coming coming from the right place. Is there like a high level equation as to the feasibility for a development site? Like let's say, for example, it's a small scale one, which sounds like you guys with being little fish is something that you're, you're keen on. Yeah. So let's just say the classic one, which I often hear people ask about is um, in Victoria, you know, something that's a 600 square metre block or thereabouts. They want to subdivide and put two on the block, knock down the original house. Um, is there a general scale of your cost for acquisition and you know, rough build costs that you would want to be looking at the percentage. I know, John, you mentioned 20% earlier, but is is there a sort of equation you could run us through with some round figures that yeah. makes sense? Yeah, for sure, Emily. Um, yeah, and it's probably not as, you know, once, once you know, and, and it's hard for the people that haven't done it, you're not privy, you haven't done a development, you don't know what, you know, getting a power pit in costs or getting getting your wet tap-ins done, what those things cost. But, you know, for a company like ourselves who've got that data, you know, we sort of plug that in and, and, and it helps us get to a get to a either feasible site or a not-so-feasible site very quickly. Mm-hmm. But obviously, you've got your purchase costs, you know, you've got your stamp duty, you know, circa, circa 5%, your legals, your adjustments, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, you, you know, you put that on top of your purchase costs. Um, and then, then you got then you got your soft development costs, um, you know, for a standard sort of side by side or even front to back dual lock in Melbourne. And this and this is round numbers. Like we yeah. sort of put a bit more effort into it, but for the for the sake of um, the budding developers out there that are looking for a bit of a bit of a helping hand, we sort of put a circle around one hundred thousand dollars, and that's that that'll include you know say demolition, um, your infrastructure, so power, water, NBN, uh, plan a subdivision. Uh, Planning drawings, working drawings, uh, council approvals, um, yeah, all all those sort of numbers. I think some some planning and some, some planning and marketing in that as well. And then then we drop down say into uh, build costs. So you know how big are your dwellings? What specification are you looking at achieving? Um, you know, there's a few variables that go into that 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 get us to our estimate of build costs. Build costs have gone up. You know, as as you know, been well documented over the last sort of twelve eighteen months. So it's important that you're keeping, I guess, keeping relevant and keeping current on those costs. Um, you know, where you know, in the old in the old squares, you know, we we were paying we were paying fourteen fifteen thousand dollars a square two years ago. Yeah, like we're probably paying closer to twenty one thousand oh, wow. dollars a square. So it's a big difference, isn't it? Um, so yeah, so it is a big difference. Um, and. And yeah, so it's just it's just important that you yeah you keep your information current. Um, then you can move down to you know the all important line, my favourite line, the contingency line. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know for a side by side dual lock in you know in Melbourne, um, you know if you've done the right due diligence, the risk isn't massive. Mm-hmm. You know, um, not to disrespect 
doing a dual lock. But if you know what you're looking at, you know you've. I guess you've you've crossed your t's and dotted your eyes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't need to be need to be massive. So that line might have fifty thousand in it. Yep. Um. You know, if you hit rock, you encounter some time delays. Um. You know, one of your well, one of your authorities wants you to you know do something with their infrastructure that that you didn't encounter. Yeah. Um. Just things like that. Um, then you can go down into some holding costs. So depending on your on your situation, your holding costs might be, um, you know, they might be a bit heavy. Yep. You know, depending on where you're getting your money from, how much equity you got in, or or they you're, or they might be pretty light. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of a case by case. Um, you know, then there's GST calculations that you know you need to acknowledge. Um, you know, if 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 you are selling the property, if you are selling new property, there is GST applicable, um, and then our agents commissions, which is a thing, and then uh, and then you sort of get down into your sales, um, you know, and your revenue of the project. So super important that you get those right, um, that you're realistic about yourself, um, but then also you're realistic, but then also you, you know, if you've got, you know, if you think you've got a site with a bit of upside, you know, and you maybe you backing onto a park or you're close to shops or close to schools, all these sort of things, um, you know, you need to sort of get a bit bullish about your site as well yeah. because even going back to what John said, you know, 20% on project, you know, overall projects are not on not on equity or your internal rate of return, like 20% on project at the early stages or at that feasibility stage, my opinion, to achieve that in Melbourne is near on impossible. Yeah. Um, okay. it's, just, it's just not there. So, you know, people might say – you know, it's stacked up at the early stages, stacked up at 20%, yeah, but, yeah. you know, they're probably missing their GST or they're not, or, you know, they're using all cash and not and not putting in any holding costs or maybe their build fees owes a bit unders, maybe their resales are a bit over. So, for, yeah, for people, you know, from us, from our point of view, people that do it all the time and our numbers, numbers are very dialed in, you know, we probably sit closer to initially probably 13 to 15% okay, yep. on, on, on project, um, and we see that as a pretty good, pretty good opportunity. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that, we that's good to hear, Peter. Because um, like a, a lot of people um, come to me and say, "Oh, look, uh, I want to do a development. I want to sink my teeth into it, and, and if I break even, that's fine. Like I'm okay with that because I've had the experience." Well, I'd like to do more than just break even if I'm going to spend maybe two years of my life trying to do this thing, um, unless you, you're outsourcing it. But without scaring people off, there's so many things involved, isn't there? Like in terms of um, finding the block number one. Is, is it heritage listed? Is uh, is the slope? Is the bush fl- fire? Is the flood? What's the soil type? Um, and then the due diligence period of, well, um, how long have I got to make sure that I know my build costs? Is that a fixed build cost? Um, what's the time frame? And then the finance approval. A lot of the time we can't get finance approval until we've got a signed contract. So how do you navigate that through with clients? Yeah, yeah, good point. And what you said earlier, people are happy to break even and yeah, no one's in it to break even. Um, but I go back to our first development, you know, we were happy to make pretty modest gains and we and we dived in head first and we did it. So, um, you know, I like that attitude. You know, some people come and say, oh, you know, unless it stacks at 20, 25%, um, we're not going to do it. I'm sort of like, well, it's it's not going to like a gen. You know, if your numbers are right, it's genuinely not going to. You're going to have to go buy some Bitcoin or something if you want to <laughs> if you want to try and chase down those gains. Not that I endorse uh, Bitcoin, uh, but 
but yeah, it's just not it's just not realistic. So um, so it's super important. Yeah, like I said, do your due diligence. Your numbers have to be have to be super dialed in. Um, and exactly right, John. You know, like some some first timers will say to us, "All right, so all these." You know, we give our clients estimates. Um, you know, and something, something to something to track towards, and you know, something to manage to, and all that sort of thing. But you know, they say, "Is are these fixed in?" And you know, and none of it is. So, so it is knowing your numbers. It is having the right relationships. Um, so, like you said, buying the site. You know, what drafty designer architect are you going to use? What town planner are you going to use? What are their costs? Um, you know, for someone like us, we've got a lot of these, I guess, agreements in place where our numbers, you know, are pretty, are pretty tight um, and, and more or less fixed. Um, but yes, when it comes to the build, um, you know, we are playing in, in markets that, that, that do move. You know, we've seen the, you know, supply and, um, you know, the supply of materials, supply of labour, uh, shortages and that sort of thing, they have really shifted prices. So, so that's where your contingency comes into it a bit. But hopefully, you know, the last year we've seen that it is a bit of a bit of an anomaly and a bit of a spike in, you know, in the industry. Um, but then it goes back to and there's and there's the risk involved as well. So it's not something that you can see and touch and feel before you enter into. Um, you know, you, you do your best to mitigate as much risk as you can and to be ac- across as much things as you can. But but there is that, you know, there is that risk, that risk mm. versus reward type thing. Love it. All right. After the break, we're going to talk about, um, first and foremost, how much cash do we need to get started into something like this? We'll be right back. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So we're back. We're talking developments and... Obviously, everyone from around the country living in a different spot, we might be over the ditch. Um, we've, we've got 
different requirements and and council have different regulations so that that needs to be adhered to like you guys are talking a lot of melbourne stuff at the moment um i know up here if we're subdividing we need a minimum 670 square block if it's a corner block it needs to be 900 i know in adelaide they're carving them off at 250 square torrance title blocks which is uh which is outrageous i don't know what you can fit on that pete but um <laughs> I, I suppose for the for the budding developer if we're coming in, um, say it at a million dollars for the for the land, and then another million dollars to build two townhouses. I'm just throwing nice even numbers out there. Um, what what sort of cash do you think someone would need up their sleeve when they're taking into account land cost, but also putting in build deposits and contingency or holding costs throughout the build process and and the time frame involved in that. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. And thanks for the round numbers too, John. Um, so ultimately, yeah, ultimately you can sort of break it up into break it up into parts, you know. It's you know, the the initial purchase of one of these these sites, I suppose, it is just a just a genuine purchase of land, you know. So, you know, you're meeting three veg, buying a buying a block, you know, you find you've got to gotta find your twenty percent, like you guys know. Um, you know, usually you find your twenty percent plus stamps and that sort of thing and um, you know, you'll probably settle it. 80 20 LVR and you know all these sort of things but then ideally you do have um, sort of your seed money you know your war chest to get to get the property to to that point where you can get a build contract you can reach out to the bank and say hey this is my development I've got planning approvals I've got builder under contract I've got all the things that you need to see to either invest in me or or not um, and we sort of you know here in Melbourne, Victoria, and uh, you know plans and that sort of thing, um, and council council application fees. You know they may vary vary across the country, but probably not probably not worlds apart. But you know we'd put a circle around maybe sort of fifty thousand, sixty thousand, um, depending depending on you know what you're doing, how big your side is, that sort of thing. But I think the the key to it is is having that seed money, having that money that you can I guess put into it and get it to that point because once you settle that original site you know the bank the bank's done their they're done their lending you know you're probably not going to be able to put your hand out again um so having that money up your sleeve ready to get it to build and then once you've got that build contract then you know you know going to a lender and my experience this is just my experience it's it's if, if you can source out a broker that deals in these these small development sites that's the best way to go it's um yeah you know you you know your big four lenders and that sort of thing like you know my opinion you know their bread and butter is just settling houses and setting up a 30-year loan and you know away you go but but these are a bit these are a bit trickier and you can you know people can get a little bit stonewalled when it comes to these these um you know standard standard type lending arrangements so having a broker that is quite sort of flexible and creative around that I think is someone that you want in your corner because they can they can structure things and go to lenders that that um yeah that may not be in your main street sort of thing so that's that's super important yeah just on that um before you continue do you find that obviously we need a strategic broker and we talk about that all the time on the show here but um you also want a broker that's willing to play that game because you know that when you're dealing with the developer, they're in and out in two years and they might have sold it all. So their trail commission, dare I say it, is, um, is, is pretty short term, isn't it? So do you have to factor that in as well? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And I think that's just being, um, you know, open and honest with your broker and building that relationship. 
and sort of saying, hey, this is my plan and potentially I'm going to do multiple, you know, as we all are. So it's so it's sort of selling that dream. Uh, but but also it's, yeah, you know, in, you know, in some instances their commission might be a bit flattened out, but then you might be able to do a deal with the broker to say, hey, what level are you happy at? Um, you know, you might try out a couple to see to see where that sits, um, just to make sure that they're incentivized and they're getting looked after. Like like anything in you know in any business, really, you, you know, everyone needs to win for it to be a good deal. Um, and if you want to build good relationships with whether it's a broker, or accountants, solicitors, all these sort of sort of people, they need to be they need to be remunerated for for the for the work they do. So so yeah, I think just being open and honest and and sort of you know acknowledging that yeah, it's not. You know, it's not a not a thirty year trail that they're going to pick up. Mm, okay, so the cash dollars in just to round that part of it off. Um, on the million dollars, we want twenty percent. Ideally, we could go with ten, but we're going to cop some LMI, and it might make getting a build um, construction loan a little bit harder. So, uh, two hundred grand plus our stamps. Let's round it out at fifty, different in each state, but let's call it fifty, and then. If we've got 20% as a build deposit, that's again ideal, but maybe we could come in with 10. But so that puts us to 450 plus your seed money that you mentioned, Pete. So 500K is really where we're at. So it's not for the faint hearted, is it? We're, we're throwing half a million dollars at this and hopefully we make some money out of it. Yeah, yeah, correct, hundred percent, and that's and that's sort of where we, where we see it ending up. You know, can be between that sort of twenty five to thirty percent of of skin in the game, as they say. So, um, so that's yeah, that's there. You know, I think I think it's important that ideally, especially for the first first timers or for anyone really, um, if 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 your you know if your plan B can be finish them and rent them out you know, build the property portfolio, that sort of thing. Um, I think you're taking out that variable of of the real estate market out of out of out of your risk calculations. Um, you know, I'm a firm believer that um, until people stop living in houses, you know, there's gonna be you know, there's going to be a demand and a you know and a supply and a need as long as you're dealing in the right you know the right areas. Um, so so and we've got we've got plenty of clients that that just sort of build and develop to hold and rent. Um, you know that's their strategy. They minimise on marketing cost and GST. Um, the maximised depreciation, all these sort of things that your accountant can run you through. But that's that's certain certain people's certain people's strategy. So yeah, you know if the market sort of dips or tapers off or whatever it is, you're not you're not in that you're not in that space. So if you can hold them and rent them out and sort of manage that debt, I, I think that's a that's a great way of mitigating that risk. And then it's simply just seeing the process seeing the process out properly through your planning, through your building, partnering with the right builder, all these sort of things, you can do that right. You know, you're sort of you're sort of on your way, but you know, you do need you do need um do need sort of thick skin and a bit of a stomach for it for sure. Outside of maybe not um estimating costs correctly, because I feel like it's a big mistake that some people could make if they're doing this for the first time. What are some classic mistakes or downfalls that you see first time developers who think they sort of can you know watch YouTube and find out what to do um, and navigate it themselves? What's what some of the biggest errors that you see people make? Yeah, I think I think the site's probably the f- first one. Um, sort of people, you know, and we see it because people might come to us after they've bought the site. Okay, yep. And obviously, we can't have much influence then, but it's it's just yeah, it's making sure the site's right, and you you, you know, and there is, and there's still things that 
you know, not not trick us, but we've just you got to be on your game when you're looking at these things. You know, say shadowing regulations and even you know now shadowing solar panels. You know, you can't do that. So there's yeah, there's there's things that you know may not present themselves obviously when you're looking at a site but when you're looking to design and maximize the site and then achieve those resales at the end if your top story's got to shrink by x amount because you're casting a shadow on things and these are things that are hard to find out exactly before you buy something because you need to get surveys and get plans done and get shadow diagrams done no one does all that before they buy the site it's just yeah. too expensive so so it's a bit of that having the right people in your corner whether that's a designer town planner these sort of guys because they can look at it and they go you know based on other designs we've done and other shadow diagrams we've done that that south neighbor is going to be a problem sort of thing so um so that's probably you know the site's the main one but then it's also partnering with the right people throughout drafty designer architect town planner all these guys if if you can build a bit of a relationship and be remotely on the top of their desk um that you know, and they can give you good information and sort of guide you. That's that's the best bit. You end up partnering with the wrong person. Sort of one bad egg can can really slow you down, cost you money, and even you know put yourself at risk. So yeah. it's you know a lot, people say it a lot, but it's but it's relationships, big time. Yeah, and I assume in what you do, because and I'd love to get into a bit more about how you help developers as well. But I assume in what you do, you've got your go-to people. Like you've done this over and over again. You're a skilled developer, or particularly in assisting people to develop. So you've got you go to people, you pick up the phone and go, hey. Like, what do you think of this? Yeah, 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 spot on. And that's, you know, that's probably the expertise and experience and the relationships that we can bring to a development is is something that you've, you know, you build over years. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing we, you know, we do, we help we help people from sophisticated investors to, to play in this and manage that for them or we'll help people, first-time developers, you know, can see the upside but just don't want to, um, don't want to risk it. But then obviously there's people out there that will do that, do it themselves and yeah. that's and that's totally fine you know totally fine but what i would say to them is it's it's just putting the right pieces in place and having the relationships like a first time developer isn't going to have the relationships you know that we have that, that that that's just how it works but but it is it's you know it's not as if not as if you always need to find a development company go out there and build the relationships go speak to a drafty go say hey this is what i'm planning on doing um you know if i find a site and i send it to you can you give me some light feedback you know is there a cost involved in that how how can we manage that once i am successful with the site maybe there's a little fee in there you know whatever it might be but those people are just worth worth their weight in gold and you know i'm thinking back to our journey and the people and the advice that you get you know because they're you know it's a high stakes game so it's important that you make the right decisions for sure Pete, just on the on the growth side of things, the the market growth, not so much the growth that you're creating out of the out of the asset. Um, Melbourne's had a, a pretty good run in terms of market growth, you would say, especially the the land value. Um, how much do you factor in that in your feasibility? Because it might be two years before, or even longer, till you actually get your return on investment um, and, and you may be able to factor in 3 4 5% capital growth each year but from a feasibility point of view, do you factor in no growth at all and it's just a raw number based on what what the cost to, to uh, develop is? Yeah, yeah, great, great question. We we sort of do it a couple of different ways. There's, there's one model that we use and it's um, – 
it's pessimistic, optimistic, and realistic sale figures. So we sort of land the realistic is sort of here and now. Uh, pessimistic is, you know, if there's a bit of turbulence and uh, those sort of things. And then the optimistic range is something that, hey, if we see some, um, you know, if we see some growth or, you know, if we maybe achieve a bit more than we thought we would, um, you know, we factor that in. And, you know, for some context, context, that's probably, we probably run about 5% each way for the, for the, pessimistic and the optimistic but then also um you know we do a feasibility where we where we put the price in sort of here and now where we see it and like i said that might be 13 14 percent something like that um and then we'll look at like i think i think core logic tells me that uh the Melbourne, the Melbourne uh, market property market on average over the last 25 years has seen eight percent growth um compound over over 25 years so we might we might plug in like a you know a three percent growth per annum or something like that that's obviously pretty modest on the uh on the overall number uh but still acknowledging that yeah it, it is something that will take some time um and things being equal you can ex- you know you can potentially expect some growth but but yeah definitely we i guess acknowledge here we are now this is where we start just so whoever it might be it might be a sophisticated investor we're dealing with might be a first timer that they can go all right well this is where it is now you know they're presenting it presenting it in a way that this could happen that could happen um yeah, just I guess managing expectations is something that's um, super important. So putting it down there in the cold light of day um, leaves people the opportunity to to um, you know make their own decisions and and sort of see the risk in the pessimistic space, but then but then see the upside as well. So um, so yeah, super important. And and I'll just touch on so you know with some market growth and that sort of thing and you know putting realistic sales figures in there and designing something a bit nicer than than what else is in the marketplace that 13 14% um you know you can see you can see your 20 see your 25% we've seen 35% um you know no you know no question but you sort of need to be able to swallow the 13 14% to to give yourself an opportunity to you know to see some see some real upside yeah, that's great. Um, awesome knowledge for, for anyone wanting to take on their own development. I think a JV, a joint venture, um, is, a, is a good starting point too. If you don't think that that 500K that we said before might um, scare the life out of you, might just physically not have it. So to go halves with someone might might also be beneficial if you're both on the, the same page. But I suppose when I first did my development um, back in the day, I, I looked at uh, my three options should the ideal scenario not play out and, and I'm interested to get your take on this, Peter. But my, my first one was, uh, you mentioned before about buying the block um, and, and you might have an old house on it that could be rented but also could be uh, demolished. So the worst case is you haven't got the funds to develop so you just sit and hold and rent it out. Um, my, my second option that's still not the best case is you build a granny flat on the back as well as have the house there and and do a reno on the house and just b- buy and hold I suppose like the a standard real estate purchase um, but then into development territory it was always the dance between um, on a on a standard uh, house in suburbia it was two Torrens title townhouses or three or four strata titled units working out the 
the best outcome financially for either of those two options. Um, do you do you play in that space much and, and really looking at the details of which one's going to f- be a better outcome, Tyrant's title versus Strata title? And it's not necessarily the most um, dwellings on the block. It's, it's the one that's going to create the most profit. Yeah, correct. Yeah, sort of highest and best use of a site, you know, is, you know, sort of super important. Um, you know, I remember one, what we're doing it now actually, Ivanhoe, and it was a nice corner site, you know, six, 680 square metres. Um, and when we saw it, we bought it, bought it for one of our investor clients. Um, and, you know, three townhouses on it, you know, no common property, one, one's not attached at all, two are, you know, it was really, really, you know, great site. Um, it's seen some market growth now, and, and it's an even better site. But even no market growth, it was, it was, it was, yeah, it was a great site. Council wanted us to to get a bit more extreme with the development. They wanted us to increase the density. Um, you know, basement. Um, you know, maybe six townhouses, three levels type thing. Getting into that space, and we just, um, you know, you'd think, oh, a developer just wants more, 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 but. But, you know, when you sort of stack up build costs going down three levels, all these sort of things. And then also the resale values of, of you know, one of these three level um, townhouses versus, you know, a proper four bedroom, nearly standalone home, you know, running those numbers and, and not to mention time, build costs, um, time, time to build, time to plan. Um, we just, we just, yeah, we just loved, you know, the three and we just continued with the three, even though council were pushing us to, pushing us to increase the density there. So it's, um, yeah, there's plenty of ways to skin a cat um, and finding out the best way is, is um, yeah, just super, super, you know, super important because there is money to be made and there's lots of different variables out there, but finding the right path to what you're doing with the site, like you're saying, John, is, um yeah, is is super important. And a lot of these, you know, I talk here in Melbourne, but if if, if you've got your 600 square metre block, um, you know, if you've got 15 metre frontage circa, a bit, small, bit, you know, a bit less, you know, a bit more, um, you know, and there is side-by-side development in the area, that's probably the best course of action. Um, some areas here in Melbourne prefer a front, you know, a front to back, you know, more of a battle axe scenario. So it's 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 yeah it's fine it's it's also finding out what what the council and what the authorities are going to encourage you to do as well. So what's running around in your head may not be in line with 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 what the greater the greater powers want you to do. So so there's a few vested parties that that want to see a site developed in a certain way. Um, it's sort of you know collaborating all those together and and putting together something that's going to be that's going to be successful. Is it a um, commonality for people to have someone uh, effectively manage their property development? Like, obviously, that's what you do. Is that a niche or is that because, I mean, I'm naive to the space. I've only ever just bought a standalone property and let it do its thing. Um, But I'm very keen to always learn more about property development and potentially get into it. Yeah, so for the listeners, like, is it something that's that's common that people can actually outsource this and and pay someone to project manage their development? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a good question because we're probably – We've been developing for for a fair few years now, my business partners and I. But as far as Little Fish and the the client side project management of these smaller 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 developments, it's probably been about five years. And early on, when you're sort of seeing if there's a space for you out there in the marketplace, you know our our research was that that it is a bit of a niche. You know, you found project managers doing you know some higher density stuff, um, you know, bigger builds that sort of thing. But there wasn't really anyone servicing the smaller type smaller type developments um 
so yeah, so to answer your question, it probably is a bit of a niche, but I think it's becoming more and more a thing as people are seeing this as a genuine investment opportunity. Um, you know, it's a great way for people to grow their wealth. You know, it's a great way for people to, um, and and I, and I wanted to touch on this as well. It's a great it's a great way for people to to team up. Um, you know, we manage we manage multiple projects for parents and kids. You know, and I, and and I think you know your listeners might get a bit of value out of that. You don't need to dive into it, you know, by yourself. You mentioned it, John. It is a bit of a bite um, to to do it yourself. So we've got multiple clients that they might be sisters and brothers in laws. You know, they're like, all right, um, I want to live in. Carnegie or I want to live in McLeod or but buying a townhouse off a developer um, you know is expensive but doing the development yourself and you know I guess getting those wholesale opportunities and I guess you know embedding that developer margin inside the equity of your dwellings that you're left with is 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 a real thing that we're seeing people do it, you know it can be parents that have got the 600 square meter block you know the three bed one bath that needs maintenance um, you know, it, it's becoming not really fit for, for, for purpose anymore for, um, you know, it might be grandparents at that stage or, you know, something like that. And they're like, well, what can we do? So we can team up with our kids and they go, well, the kids will chip in, we'll chip in the land and we'll end up with, end up with two. Um, you know, the parents get one and the kids get the other. So, so it's a great way to invest and um, invest in an asset that you get multiple pop out at the end and you can be left with, left with one each. So, um, yeah, for, you know, and, and I think as far as de-risking it and that sort of thing, I think it's a great way to, to get into a market or an area that you may not be able to afford. Yes. But if you do team up and do a development, that bit that you can't afford, that's, that's the developer sort of margin that you're able, that you're able to create. And not to mention you get to design it, yeah. you know, interior design, end up with the product, end up with the product you want. So, yeah. um, yeah, we're seeing that become more and more a thing. And, and I think that's a, that's a um, something that can sort of circumvent, you know, affordability as well. You know, you can start to fight back and go, well, if if we become the developer on mum and dad's block of land, yeah. um, we can well, we can get into these suburbs. Hundred percent, love it. Um, we feel like we could go for for hours on this topic, and there may be a, a follow up episode as a result of this because there's so much gold in this for for budding developers or anyone that just wants to take an interest in it. Uh, I think it's uh, intriguing as to so many variables out there and and how one little move can. Um, can derail the whole development project. So having um, having a team like yourself in their, their corner is definitely a, a, a positive, at least the first time they do it anyway. But um, yeah, Peter, any final message to, to the listeners out there in, re, in regards to developments? Um, I think, yeah, just do your research, you know, don't rush in, um, make the effort to go and walk into council to the planning department Um you know, ask questions, find information. Um, you know, we do a lot of YouTube educational stuff. You know, it does exist out there, um, you know, the value. Um, and then just, you know, build the relationships and that sort of thing. Or, or, you know, like you said, for your first one, John, or, you know, whatever it might look like, find find a company out there that can help you, help you navigate it. Um, you know, we know ourselves with our relationships and our efficiencies and that sort of thing, like our project management fee that, that 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 is charged you know that's what we need to run our business you know the savings that we can make along the way and and ability to de-risk these developments for clients you know it, it 
really sort of really sort of equals out you know it you know there's there's a fair bit of value there but but yeah ultimately build your relationships um do your due diligence take your time um don't rush in don't let the money burn a hole in your pocket you know take your time and um and sort of ease your ease your way in and and you know little fish are sweet so just find that little that little development site that you know, potentially on the surface has a modest, modest return, but maybe a lot less riskier than, you know, than a bigger site sort of thing. And, and look to partner up with other like-minded people and, you know, spread that, spread that risk, you know, sleeping at night's important. It is very important. (laughs) And and the little fish have uh, a less metallic, aren't they? Because they haven't eaten all the other food chains, so they're they're better for you. (laughs) Correct. Yeah, spot on. Well, yeah, they probably are. They make you live longer, for sure. That's right. <laughs> I have certainly learnt a lot today, um, and I know people listening will have learnt a lot too, because this probably is like a lot of the topics that John and I discuss, um, and we want to bring in experts. Property development is one that does get asked of a fair bit, um, and although you know we know certain things, we definitely don't know at all. So we really appreciate you sharing your insights and jumping on today. I think. It wouldn't surprise me if there's a follow-up episode at some point with with more and more questions. What do you reckon, John? I think so, yes. Yeah, look forward to it, guys. Thanks for for having me on. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us and uh, we'll be back next week. Okay, bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Taking your property journey to the next level starts with education. That's why we make this podcast, but we've also created online courses to equip you with the knowledge you need to take the next steps. I've created the Solvair Online Academy, open to both first home buyers and seasoned investors, where I share my tips and experience from 20 years in the property space. And I've created the Buying Coach, built from my experience as a buyer's advocate to demystify the confusion around purchasing property, particularly for first home buyers. Follow the links in the show notes to sign up and get started today. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.